I have something. And I think for that Buzz idea. was there. Or was no Buzz. Hold on, wait, 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 wait. I'll ask you oh. that during this. Welcome to the simulation station. Uh this is I'm Buzz. Uh, as you can tell we have a lot to talk about. Uh this is Joey, Mr. Crispy. Lee Griffin. And uh yeah, we're here to talk about all kinds of media and music and video games and everything that we want to. Um, so yeah, I'll introduce myself. My name is Buzz Lee. I'm an unemployed software engineer. And so, uh, yeah, that's right. What I'm doing right now. Yeah, there we go. Up top. Um, Joey. Oh yeah. Uh, I am Mr. Crispy, DJ Crispy. Uh, Buzz and I do Crispy's collections, uh, which is, you can link to YouTube. Uh, we do movie reviews, video game reviews, uh, lots of retro stuff. That's kind of my background. Uh, I'm way far behind on my gaming now. <laughs> I have a huge list to get through. Yep. That's my specialty. He I is employed. So. I am employed. Yeah. I work. I work at a hospital. Both these guys. Um, so <laughs> I'm, I'm actually blessed to work in a hospital. I have a job and working really hard to keep everybody safe, um, which allows me to do these kind of things. So I'm kind of excited to do these as a hobby. Yep. And. Lee Griffin here. I am a uh, creative writing major. Graduated from Fort Lewis College up in Durango. Spent some time down there. Currently up here in the uh, Lakewood area of Denver. Work for Amazon. And uh, also catering into uh, synth uh, music. And also hopefully one day get my own book published. Nice. So yeah, I know Fleet from going to concerts. Uh, my very first like Real jam band concert was an STS9 show on New Year's about three years ago. It was a uh, 2016, I think. 2016, yeah, yep. And you you actually walked me uh, to Colfax back to my uh, yeah. uh, days in uh, room actually. Right, because you had not spent a lot of time in the city before, right? And I was scared. Yeah. Because Colfax is a pretty sketchy place. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like looking back on it, I don't know that I would have done it again. <laughs> no, no. But like at the time, it just seemed like a no-brainer, you know. I mean, uh, like if you have a posse and everything, you're pretty much okay. Right, yeah, you got people around you. I mean, and the thing is, like, if you walk, like, with purpose and confidently, then a lot of times people, they just don't fuck with you because, like, you know where you're going, you know, you don't look like a target. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I, was, I was confident, I guess. So, <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's how, that's how we met. And then, Joey, I met you at the Psychedelic Club. Um, at, at CU. At, at, at University, University of Colorado. Colorado. Yep. Uh, and, yeah, that was the Psychedelic Club Carnival, actually. Yep. Thrown right. on by one of our friends that was just like basically like the psychedelic club is like a place for us to be able to talk about psychedelic experiences without being like like having like prejudice about it mm -hmm. or uh discrimination for those experiences and i think they're like of value mm -hmm. and so that's why we're in that club and we talk about these kind of things so that links to you and your concert experience and so we just became friends right away and started talking about video games and all these other things so, yeah and now we're like we know enough about all these things to like talk yeah. about them. You know? Yeah, I feel like the psychedelics was like the, the very like shallow thing that we kind of became friends over. Kind of, yeah. yeah we kind of bonded you know. over like Pink Floyd video games. Yeah. Um, well, we like watched the Wall together that one time. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I actually, that was hard. I actually went to Roger Waters the Wall uh, when it was going on. Oh. Really. I was. 12. How was he? So it was great, and like I was at twelve, the twelfth row, I could feel like the vibrations from the amps going on. Sweet, and you know it's awesome seeing like them doing the first half of the album, and they're just building the wall mm -hmm. and putting a bunch of projections yeah. on it. Then the whole band is on the other side of the wall, and they're doing all really? these crazy projections. In the second saying "Coupling Numb" is like some of the craziest shit going yeah. on, and at the very end, they knock it all down. Yeah, it's pretty 
obviously. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. You can still find it on DVD. There's a Blu-ray. You can actually see the whole show. Yeah. I feel um, like sometimes at shows, like, it gets to that point where it's, like, too hype. Like, there's, like, too much, like, craziness going on, whether it's, like, Illuminati thoughts or just, like, <laughs> nut shit that you don't want to face or it's just, like, too yeah. extreme. And there's no, like, relief from that. But that's nice that, like, they kind of have, a, like, a breaking point where it's, just, like, literally breakthrough. There, there's right. a little bit of that that creeps me <laughs> out was this uh, one where they're playing Hey You and then, like, it opens, the walls open up into a little dark alley and there's this monster that comes out. He just scratches like the whole wall. Yep. And I was just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, it sounds a little trippy. <laughs> I also um, went to Pink Floyd, uh, like Brit Floyd. It was like the cover band British Floyd at Red Rocks. And they were like, I went with my dad and he went to Dark Side of the Moon at Madison Square Garden in like 1972. And so he, er, and so he basically nice. was like, this is like, I'm expecting it to be, you know, good. And he's like, close, he's like, I'm closing my eyes and I can imagine, like, it sounds like them. Mm-hmm. And it was, he was like, that was the closest I've ever experienced to like Pink Floyd. And yeah. uh, it was cool for me for that show because it was just like, like Piper of the Gates of Dawn. Nice. It was like old stuff, like really old stuff, metal. It did have most majority of the wall in there, but also had like Wish You Were Here. And those are really impressive to hear. Yeah. Welcome to the Machine. There is um, a lot of cover bands out there, Pink Floyd, but I, there's this really interesting one. It was called Dead Floyd. And it was Grateful oh, Dead yeah. music and Pink Floyd. And mm-hmm. honestly, it's a good mixture. Like, how it depends on how they do it in the sets. Well, that's awesome too. Grateful Dead has such like a diverse and varied collection that like you're almost guaranteed to find something that can flow into something else. You know, like um, I just feel like yeah, they they have so much music that yeah, you could you could definitely find. You could you could probably put Some together a, de- a dead anything band, you know, like a, a dead Kendrick, you know, dead strokes. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think that you and I have only been to a couple shows together. We went to Emancipator, um, and Us. well, yeah, I was with you for Emancipator. Yeah, actually, I wasn't like you were there. Uh, we didn't we didn't go together. Yeah. But, um, and then Emancipator uh, was great. Uh, Papadopia, maybe have we. Maybe. I don't know that we've ever um, seen them together. I've seen Papadozio at Red Rocks. It was not a really good concert. I guess they were playing their new stuff. But I went to... Uh, play you didn't like the Red Rocks show you went to? I was with you for that. Uh, I was... Well, <laughs> I, I love that. That show was awesome. Me, yeah. me, Satch, and um, Emma came up late. I was, I was with you. I was... Uh, the one with Alex Gray, right? Or was it a, a different show? It, it was Alex Gray, but like I remember like... Uh, I think we were late, me and Emma and Satch, because I was staying with them in Boulder. I was with you. I don't know why you keep saying because I was I was right there with you. The I know time. I know you were there, but like you know, I was, I'm just she saying. Wasn't there. Uh, she wasn't there. I was there in spirit. No, but like, I went to this place called Backwoods, and I saw one of their sets, and it just blew my mind. Oh, yeah. And I, yeah. I I'm not throwing shade at Papadozzi. I mean, it could, I think there's like a mixed bag thing, I guess, going on. Like you know, it depends on what they play. I, I had one of the best moments of my life at that that exact show at Red Rocks uh, because they like I was kind of in a funk like uh, you know all wrapped kind of like you were talking about all wrapped up in my head mm-hmm. um, you know thoughts going in the Illuminati places and uh, happens with and, all of us <laughs> and I was I was sitting down like just relaxing you know kind of chilling chilling myself out and then they this the song ends and they start playing Praise You by Fatboy Slim. And it was like okay. the exact thing I needed to like, right. you know, get back up and yeah, and get back into it. Uh, it, nice it felt really happens. good. Yeah, I, there's been so many good shows at Red Rocks. I have like literally a top five like Red Rock show like in my head like yeah. right now. Like Papadozio, I'd say is fifth actually, just because 
of the visual appeal and like the subject matter was super deep. Um, Emancipator was very, the chillest I think I've ever gone to. Like it's nice to have chill hop and just kind of get down with that. Uh, Bonobo with the studio oh, really? band oh. was literally felt like me going through each one of my chakras. And the show, like, mirrors that. It was really good. It was like, okay, we're going to start with the root, go all the way through. You have a comment, Lee? I remember that? Emancipator came to my college at Fort Lewis, my freshman year in college. Oh, that's awesome. So they had this a production thing called Skyfest. And it's where it's like a mini, like, uh, festival experience at the fort. And usually it was like 20 bucks or something. It was really cheap if you were a student. Uh-huh. And Emancipator was the main headliner. Ooh. And uh, they killed it. And in, you know, for those two years, they had good music, including, um, oh, what was it? Is this a very funky people? They Motet. No, no, no. no. It's, a, it's a guy who got the, got the guitar. He's got the fuzzy hat on. Um, pigeons playing Spongle? ping pong? Not pigeons playing ping pong. Yeah, Josh Bongle? Uh, oh, was it? Um, Some similar jam band. Well, it, well yeah. But no, it was I just know. like it was a funk guy and then someone would be doing the drums and all that. Aoto? Uh, what? Aoto? No, that's a uh, Travis and um Han of String Cheese. String Cheese is great though. Oh, okay. Okay. anyways. This? Yep. But by the like, way, yeah, so the second one, Dramatic, is the most I, oh, and the, all these shows were at Red Rocks for me personally, by the way. Uh, Grammatic was the show that I danced to literally the most ever. Like I danced so like crazily all over the place, like running through like the crowds. And I swear I high five fucking everybody in that show. <laughs> it was sick. Um, so grammatic is awesome to get down because they have that perfect amount of like, it's like past nostalgia. Like there's a certain point of like time in music where like it's like public domain, and then it's like oh no, like you know there's a period where people forget stuff, and then it's like nostalgia, and then most recent stuff in modern. Mm-hmm. And like grammatic, I feel like hits that public domain spot. Where it's like it used to be awesome and people used to dig it, but everybody forgot what it was, yeah. and now they like remeld it into the modern scene. I always so I think like that's that. awesome. I like I, I always like samples for movies and stuff. Fleetwood, why are you on your phone? Because I'm trying to find that funk band I was talking about. <laughs> go, go for it. Um, but but guy, keep going. Easily number one though, without a fucking doubt, is Tame Impala for me. I Tame Impala. Yeah. Uh, right after Currents came out, I think it was 2016 or 17. I mean, that year was just great for concerts anyway, but that was just so incredible because they went with Mac DeMarco. Both of them were at their, uh, you know, their peak, in my opinion. Tam Paul is probably still going to be making good music, I assume, because they're just playing shows in Australia now like they're back because <laughs> they don't have COVID. So they're just yeah. probably, like, working on a studio album that's, like, back home in the homeland. I think that's great. They're probably going to come out with something awesome soon. But um, Tam Paul was freaking incredible and just, like, so much confetti and just like explosion like psychedelic riffs and just like blew me away and just everybody was dancing i think that was just the best interdimensional show i don't really consider top shows like i just I, those are just in my mind i, they, I always think about those yeah, i never yeah. i guess yeah um do you have your tickets though no okay you? yeah that, that was the name really? of it so i was thinking of boombox you've heard of boombox oh boombox i think i saw them at sonic boom maybe. yeah they, they also came to the college where i was at um yeah, I kept my wave spell wristband, but uh, I did too. <laughs> it, it's so dirty too; it's really gross. Uh, um, no ticket stubs though. That's something that I love to. No, no, like I, I used to keep my ticket stubs for movies. Uh, oh, okay. just, it was just like this fat stack that kept sitting and, oh, like, I and, and fading, and yeah, it was. It's just uh, a memory jog. I actually, uh, 
I kept a lot of my set list. I have a bunch of set lists, oh, actually. Okay. So that's a that's my railroader thing. Like I'm huge railroader fan. Yeah. Like major railroader guy. I've uh, I actually am going to a private uh, show for the lead singer. He's uh, coming to uh, Broomfield, so I can't wait to see him again. Really nice guy. Yeah. Um. So another thing that we uh, all of us share in common is that we've we're all nerd video game nerds. Um. I think we already got, we got a taste of that with talking about the NES guy. What's his name? At the NES Punk. At the NES Punk, exactly. Pat Contry. Um, he has a CD podcast. You know, what, what, him, but. what was your first uh, <laughs> consoles? Like, just going around. Oh, boy. Mine wasn't an, it wasn't NES. It was a top-loading NES. It wasn't one of the ones that, like, you, like, flip the lid and blow into. Uh, it, was, it was made like a Super Nintendo, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, my earliest gaming memories are Kirby's Adventure. Oh wow! Oh, yeah, nice. Okay, like and solid NES game. Mostly just watching my my brother and my dad play because I think I remember I remember being like too bad at it at the time to really do much. But well, it was also the one game that came on the NES where you could actually make a save file. You didn't have to put in a password at all. Yeah, that's true. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. it was a later uh, NES title. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it definitely looks like it stands out compared to other. Well, it came games. out in the late. Uh, era of like the NES. It was like, like one of the last or games that really came yeah. out. There's another one called, I like, remember pretty distinctly called, I think it's called like Legends of the Wizard or something like that. It's a pretty generic name, but like, it was the one of, it was the first game that I ever saw that had a character select screen, so it was like a platformer yeah. who you could, you know, be all these different characters. Like, there was like a fat kind of curvy blob, and there was a, you know, it's pretty cool. Uh, Rad Gravity is another one that a lot of people don't don't know about, but just another fun platformer, really fucking challenging. Um, so the question was first gaming console. So gaming is, console is this gaming console that you owned? Because I have like kind of two. So like one of them is first gaming console experience was my. Let, let, let's just uh, say like you know like yeah your parents got it for you mm-hmm. when okay. you're like a little kid. I'll side note the first thing I ever played was an NES at my neighbor's house, and he had Duck Hunt. Oh, yeah, that was yeah. just the gun. Yeah, we and I was like, oh my god, video games are interactive? <laughs> I am actually a duck hunter in real life. Quill <laughs> <laughs> oh. man. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Super Nintendo was my first. And I mean, to this day, it's still amazing. Like, and it might be nostalgia, like, shading my view, but also studying gaming history and knowing that that kind of peak platforming experience and like beat em ups and JRPGs at the time, just they knew what they had enough time to figure out what they were doing. Like, and I just do- dove into that so hard. And like, Super Mario World was probably the first game that I played um, on that system. And I also fell in love with Super Mario RPG Legends of Seven Stars. That one was incredible. For- that was the first one where I felt like the story like really drove me hard. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, wow, like, really want to know what's going on here. Just spent endless hours into it. Um, I can replay that endlessly. Same with TMNT, uh, Turtles in Time. I mean, <laughs> Cowabunga, Surf Shop, bro. Um, I mean, that is something that is an endless re- uh, replay value. It's qu- such quality for such a short game. Like, me and my girlfriend played it for, it took 24 minutes, I think, last night. And, like, I didn't think she was going to do well at all, but, like, together, like, we did fine. Like, we just made it through and pushed through together. It's a really good co-op game. Nice. And um, I think that's kind of missed out these days is, like, being able to do that. 
even way back, like one of the earliest games I played on Super Nintendo, probably when I first got it, it was uh, Tetris and Dr. Mario Kart. Uh, mm-hmm. That was together, and I played that a lot with my mom because she liked puzzle games, and like we just got really good at that and started to nice. like play it all the time. And this Pac-Man, like we had a lot of those like puzzle type ones, yeah, like arcadey puzzle games. Um, if you still have those on Super Nintendo, they're they're still worth a good co-op play. Yeah. And, yeah. I remember trying to get my mom to play Goldeneye with me. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, you just, told me. That's yeah, just like her staring at the floor going in a circle. <laughs> yeah, uh, the adult. Yeah. Oh. I remember picking odd job and I just pissed everyone off because I was so short and I was yeah. killing people. Hide, yeah. hide in the barrels and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So like that that's one memory I have of the game. And I think it was just like, I didn't own an NC4 at the time. I think I owned like a PlayStation. Was that your PlayStation. first? Yes, one. Yeah, because I, I remember I had many fond memories of a little game called Ape Escape. Oh, yeah. And oh, dude. Nice. It it was like yeah. the first like game that was got the analog controls like the analog yeah. controls just came out, and uh, they made these cool motions for like the gadgets and everything that were integrated into the levels. And I feel like they were one of the first games to do that effectively with the gadget system. Mm-hmm. And plus, uh, the soundtrack was amazing. Apparently, there they there was this illegal uh, house DJ in uh, Japan that they hired to do the music. And he did a lot of cool stuff with it. <laughs> well, there was this huge curfew that was going on that they couldn't play music at a certain time and everything. And there was like this illegal house scene where they were playing a bunch of the synth stuff and everything. Wow. And uh, yeah, apparently they got this guy and he did a hell of a job. Like it still sticks out today. Wow. Yeah. Escape, yeah, whatever. Old music, but still slaps. It's the best. Uh, Streets of Rage has some of the best music that I remember. Um, Hmm. What else? Sonic. I go to Sonic music quite a lot. Uh, Mystic Mystic Cave Zone or whatever. Uh, Final Fantasy VI. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna throw in the RPGs. I just feel like they, oh, yeah, they play, get the atmosphere now. You play a lot more of them than I do. Yeah, uh, I have too many. <laughs> I can't play them all. Didn't they announce so another long. Final Fantasy like remake thing? Or are they doing some add-ons? Oh, it's, it's, I think it's part stuff. two of seven. Yeah. Oh, okay. So like they, I think they did like a trial period for seven to see if the remake would be well accepted. And they did it up until the point where, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, like, and this is actually where I am in my PS One like playthrough, like oh, Final yeah. Fantasy Seven. It's like you just get outside the city, yeah, and like that's kind of where they like block off. Really? Like, oh, so, so like, 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 weird. Like you fight the corporate building, and you go through that area, and then you like find that crazy like monster that's like <laughs> deformed, and then you get out of there and start um, riding chokers. One, one of my old coworkers told me that, and I was like, really? So it's just part one? Then it's like, yeah. So, but they call it Final. Final Fantasy VII uh, Remake, and I was like, it should be a full game. Probably. <laughs> I think it was a trial. They weren't sure, like, what, if it was going to be accepted. And then, like, I think also the fact that they changed it to a modern, like, more action RPG, like, made it a longer experience. Like, yeah. each battle in the remake <laughs> was me. so much longer from what I did on the demo. That was like, wow. Like, one battle on the PS1 version, just, like, go through, like, hit your buttons, and then you kill them, and that's it. But the other one, just running around, you know, you're clicking, like stopping and pausing every now and then. It's just yeah, like, really it's like a much it. longer experience, I think. Yeah, to be honest, I don't really care for the whole action RPG thing compared to just standard turn-based. Turn, yeah. yeah. Uh, the the previous game, the, the newest Final Fantasy, there was actually a funny, like, uh, Chocobo, like, um, code thing they were doing it. 7-Eleven did it here, like in the U.S., mm-hmm. to get, like, this bonus Chocobo. But in China, you had to go to KFC and you had to use, like, a family meal deal like of all this like chicken you had to drink like these pepsis and these oolong teas 
Wow. And there was these reports, like people going to the bathroom and they had to reset the challenge. So if you go to the bathroom, you have to do the whole challenge again. Oh if you're going solo. That's but if you have is. some friends with you, you can actually work and get the code. But where was this? Yeah, kind of like China. Chick fil A? KFC in China. Oh, KFC. <laughs> like competitions where you have to eat, eat too, or drink a lot are terrible. There's a. I think I, told, <laughs> I think I was talking to you about this, but there was a competition yeah. in Minnesota okay. where this lady. The competition was to drink as much water as you can, like prove oh, that you can drink God. as much oh, water. That's dangerous. As you can. That is yeah, she, really she, bad. Lady Hydrocephalia is what it's called, where you like overdose on water. Yeah. That's that's how a bunch of marathon runners actually die because of that. Yeah, it's real. Yeah, she uh, Brad, she was just trying right. to get a wee for her kids. Um, a wee, a wee. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said wee. No, sorry. Yeah. A wee and just trying to get some wee. For I mean, kids. they they <laughs> they gave they gave the kids the wee as a consolation prize, but oh, that shit, that boy is like damn, like. How do you even play that Wii? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, oh, well, you gotta remember oh, back in the day it was hard to get that Wii, man. I, yeah, it was. I think uh, I think I, I went did like a two and a half hour drive, I think, to get mine. It took me about two years to get a Wii uh, when it came out. Like mm-hmm. it was just is that a marketing ploy? Oh, I feel like it's they did Man- that with the Switch too. Yeah, and the Switch is like played out to surpass mm-hmm. the Wii without even coming out with the secondary console. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At this point, like they're like mm-hmm. almost at like they're like what like two million like under the Wii at yeah. this point. Um, and I feel like that's the same marketing strategy. It's yeah. kind of like oh, like we don't have any left. Same thing that happened like this winter. Yeah. Or like last winter, whenever it came out, like, like it's called manufactured scarcity, and Nintendo mm-hmm. is the uh, master of it. They they like the, the classic editions. Um, that was definitely for that, like the NES Classic. Oh, yeah, good luck. You got that. I, I got it. I, my mom got it somehow. I don't even know how that worked. It. It's just Whew. funny because Nintendo hates piracy, but they are they're creating their own problem because they don't re-release a lot of the stuff in right. like a convenient way. That's the uh, demand. Yeah, and so like, what what if I want to go back and play Contra or something like that? What am I gonna shell out? all the money to go buy a Super Nintendo the old one. just to go yeah. play, play this one game that I want to play? No, of course not. Uh, so I'm going to go on my computer, buy a couple cheap controllers, yeah. and, and emulate it. Right. You know, like, unless they remaster it in some cool collection that's like, look, it's so flashy. And honestly, dude, Magic the Gathering is at fault for this shit, too. Really? <laughs> like, yes. Like, they are, like, especially with the re-releases and the revisions of old cards, because, mm-hmm. like, the prices spike at, like, a certain point because mm-hmm. it's so old and they don't make them anymore. Right. And Magic chooses not to reprint the cards. Right. And then the demand for them goes super high and then the market value is... I, always want, I want to ask yeah. you about, since you like Magic and all that, like, yeah. um, in tournament play, you have to get the current year, like, uh, cards to actually be qualified to play in a tournament. So it depends on the format. So, yeah, standard is, like, basically the last three sets, like, booster sets that come out, or, or the last year's booster sets that come out. So, like, last year... At this point, like February, was Ikoria, Lair of Behemoths. Mm-hmm. That was like the, ooh, we're throwing in Godzilla. And like for, <laughs> again, flashy, unnecessary shit. But like that's like the last part of the standard set. And so if, if you have cards from that set and boosted from them, you can pick any card from then to now and make decks out of it to play a standard game of 60 cards. If you play commander format, though, that's a 100-card deck. Each one of those cards is not, not a copy. It's the same. And then you can play those. Basically, it's basically like historic magic. It's like you can play that from any era, and that's why I like playing commander. I think a lot of people do. And like when they meet up at a game store, most people play commander because 
there's not there's many restrictions on that. Yeah. And I think the like the the joke is that like I'm too broke to like play competitive <laughs> standard because right. I can't like keep up with these fucking prices. Constant meta changes. Yeah. yeah. And and that's how I feel. Like I'll play online for the standard and do like drafts of right. the standard. Yeah. But I'm not I'm not buying into it anymore. That's why I like personally. That's why I like Hearthstone. How I feel uh, like uh, my collection's never gonna be like a physical giant thing that keeps going and i can play it for free like for yeah, right. forever they, they changed the uh, reward system recently mm-hmm. and it's a lot, a lot easier to play for free like a lot easier you play card games like uh, or anything? not since Yu-Gi-Oh. oh oh yeah. i love Yu Gi Oh. you played Yu-Gi-Oh then yeah you know like uh so like i actually got the whole there's a demo tape that was sent out in my house this was actually during 9-11 actually a lot of people don't know they were selling they were putting out these de- demo like uh, vhs's for Yu-Gi-Oh. It was just a lot oh, of people wow. all around and everything to get people hyped for the show and the card game. Yeah. And of course, I bought into the hype as that is. Yeah. But like, uh, yeah, I haven't really played card games in a while. Like, um, I have Yu Gi Oh box and I always play. Like, I have <laughs> decks ready. And they're like old school. They're like Blue oh, Eyes, cool. Dark Magician. Yeah. You, all that stuff. The thing is, I love card games. It's just like, it's hard to find a community out there nowadays. Yeah. Uh, more so like in Denver, I bet you can. But like, uh, you, you really got to know these people. It's like a very like, Tight group. You know? Yeah, it's true. I had like one friend that we played Yu Gi Oh all the time. He's like not around right now, so I'm basically not playing. <laughs> God, it's like the well, case. It's, it's hard enough for introverts to form a group. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's like. a topic of discussion. Well, well, we can actually tank uh, hedge funds with the GameStop stocks. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> yeah. together strong. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I just wanted to like throw out like one thing because we missed, we were talking about TNG and Ninja Turtles. Uh, there it, today uh, news came out of like a brand new like remake. Oh yeah, like Shredder's Revenge, I think it's called. It's basically uh, made by this retro game studio who did Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, the game, and they're it's I, I guess tied with Nickelodeon, but it's basically like a remake of Turtles in Time, and it's like in a modern, just like new levels. All the characters are there. It it looks really sick. I would definitely check it out. I'm pretty sure Steam is probably gonna be switched soon. I'm stoked for that personally because I just want to play more of that kind of like style of games, more levels, you know. Um, but it's cool that somebody came up with that idea, you know, like oh, like I'm gonna pitch this like retro like nostalgia idea, but like it's new, but like maybe yeah. maybe we'll go in on it. There, there's at least a couple million people that buy in on that. You know? I mean, everyone played that back in the day. Uh, yeah. Who, like anyone who went to a movie theater or uh, yeah, like. Everyone's familiar Arcade. with like with beat 'em ups, because um, yeah, yeah, we pretty much all played them. You know, it's funny. Like with I, I have two other brothers, and we had these phases we went to. Mine was Batman and Superman the animated series. My middle mm-hmm. brother was Power Rangers, and then my <laughs> littlest brother was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh really? Yeah, and like I, I remember watching the animated series with them like back in the day. Yeah, but it was just amazing. Like all these generations. Of me and my family, just especially my brothers, we went through that '90s like craze of the time yeah. in different ways, and I, I kind of find that fascinating. Like that actually happened. Mm-hmm. Dude, I love the Batman animated series. Oh, it is. There's right. so many good stories. I mean, it's one of the few that actually used like black paper for the animation. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the villains in that every two every big, episode had a the great best. villain. Yeah. Well, you oh. had the sm- I think the most scariest one for me when I was a kid was Clayface. Like, Clayface is pretty scary. Like, I was not really scared of Two-Face. Clayface scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. <laughs> Dude, 
Two faces yeah. are just so sinister. And Justice League, by the way. I love the Justice League. So, like, I, when I was a kid, I was less watching the animated series of Batman and more watching uh, Justice League, which was, like, early 2000s, like, on the WB. Which I think was um, on Toonami, actually, too. They actually okay. had it on Toonami. Oh, that's probably where I watched it. Yeah. Toonami's great. Freaking anime. Love Toonami. All right, what was on Toonami? There's so many good things on Toonami. <sighs> so, <laughs> Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball, um, Outlaw Star, Tenshi Moyo. Bleach. Bleach, Bleach, Naruto, um, Cowboy Bebop. Jo- Ke- Cowboy Bebop. Actually, yeah. I think they had Cowboy Bebop and then they switched to Adult Swim because I remember staying up very late in Adult Swim yeah. and watching Cowboy Bebop. Love fucking Cowboy Bebop, though. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Trigun yeah, the- Tri- was on there. And then yeah. they also had like some very obscure ones in there that didn't really cut it. Like they maybe showed like just a few episodes. I'm trying to think. <sighs> They showed a lot of Gundam, though. They showed a lot yeah, of Gundam. Yeah, I remember that. I always switched off Toonami. I was like, I loved Space Ghost and the Brack Show and Harvey Birdman and all that shit. Yeah. And then I just, like, you know, some anime would come on. It was, like, some, like, just super obnoxious pop music. And then just be like, all right, out. I'm going to bed. Do, it's some, like, do something else. You weren't following it either, like, all the recaps and shit. Like, yeah. you kind of lost. Yeah. I always liked That's Dragon Ball Z, though, for some reason. It, like, yeah. Yeah. It's that sweet spot for me. I, I think I had the best viewing when I was a kid because, like, my old house when I grew up in, like, I get off of, like, school, fuck school, I'm not doing my fucking homework, I'm going to pop my ass on the sofa and watch Toonami, <laughs> yeah, and it was, right. like, a huge, giant projector. This thing was probably about, like, maybe 50 feet across and everything, Dang. and it had the projector come down from the attic, Ooh. and it had the, it was the old trifecta colors, like, the that made the full screen and all that, so it was all in color. Nice. And it was amazing. I just pressed, I just pressed the uh, remote control, and then yeah, just get on the the old, old uh, satellite TV that they were doing actually back in the day, and it showed the logos. It actually showed the logos and everything. It was like boom, Cartoon Network. I can't read, but I know that logo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's great. Yeah, after school days. Yeah, for me it was WB Channel, which was Yu-Gi-Oh and Just League. And- they had a or different... Halo. <laughs> well, yeah. some of the War Bros stuff actually got on Cartoon Network. I think the Animaniacs were on there too. Yeah, and Pokemon too as well. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, and then I think they had like the Teen Titans and stuff. I fell off. So here's where I fell off of like my retro like animated like cartoony shows, and it was Avatar: The Last Airbender. And I think this was like before five Nickelodeon, and at the time it was like I was at the age where I was like I was like twelve or thirteen. And I was like, I'm too old for this. You know what I mean? Like, you're young <laughs> as hell still, but you think that you're not. <laughs> so when I was watching Aang being a little baby, like, just being young and, like, childish, mm-hmm. I thought that I was being too childish. And so I just shut it off. Like, yeah. I swear to God, I, I had stopped a, watching Cartoon I had a familiar, familiar sentiment about Avatar The Last Amber. I did not watch it. When I come on, I was like, Spongebob's not on. Fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> I'll admit, yeah. I watched uh, I watched Blue's Clues for a long time after uh, I was a kid. Because uh, I don't know, I don't think it's I think it's okay to just not not grow out of it. I don't think it matters because a lot of those shows like you can still gain something out of it as an adult. Yeah. Yeah. There's something comforting like, about Blue's Clues. Well, I watched Rugrats yeah, it, recently. Is it, it yeah. is actually a very chill show, and the only reason Steve left was actually not because he was getting older or anything. He's losing his hair actually. Oh really? Yeah, so oh, there no. was an early interview, and he's, like, bald now. He's like, people don't even cut, think I'm Steven anymore from Blue's Clues. I think I'm Moby the DJ. <laughs> oh, my God. 
But yeah, I, I love Blue's Clues. I, I it was a re- I thought it was really good, and it did teach you a little bit of like you know just the thinking process and everything with all the clues and everything. So it did really have a benefit to being a, a cartoon for kids. Yeah, it wasn't like Teletubbies, which was just like fucking weird nonsense. Though, so if you look at the, actually the whole entire like set uh, pictures of them, the Teletubby costumes were huge. Really? Like they were super big. Like you actually see the staff and like the people in the costumes. The costumes were probably over like maybe like ten feet or something like that. Wow. Like, I know it didn't make it look small. It was just really oh, big, and I it was like it may have been like the center where they had to have actually the uh, where people were looking out, so it would be like their tummies and everything. And I guess wow. they would control their arms with like uh, just like the uh, puppet style with the sticks. Yeah. Mechanism. That's why they're not holding anything. They're just waving them around. They can't grab onto things because they're not using their arms. <laughs> I mean, the, the TV's always been stupid, though. Like forever, there's always been like shit just that meant, meant to just distract kids. Uh, I like Cartoon Network, though. I think they do a pretty good job of having stuff that like is not. If not, like it might not be wholesome necessarily, or like good for the kid. Uh, but at least it's like smart, you know. And yeah, it's a lot of it. Like a lot of that story driven. Well, you had, a, you, had, you had a few options when you were a parent in the 90s. You had, like, cartoons, Sesame Street, or Adderall. Sometimes both. <laughs> Adderall. Oh, man. <laughs> or Windows 98. Oh, yeah. Uh, my dad actually loved playing Windows 98 because of Solitaire. Like, mm-hmm. every time before we go to bed, he Same would, like, mom. play Solitaire. We had yep. an old MS-DOS computer that, you, like, you had to do everything through command prompt. There was no, like, Windows. It was just all. Oh, God. Yeah. So, and then... <laughs> So, yeah, we had Prince of Persia on there, though, and my dad, Whoa. that's how, like, first, like, computer experiences was, yeah, like, because he would hide it in the system files, but, like, I knew it enough as, like, a four-year-old that Wait. he was able to find it in his files. Was it, like, the Prince of Persia, like, Atari version, or, yeah, like, like, the, the, the NES, or, I forget which one was the old yeah, one. Yeah, it's that same, same original one that's, like, where you, look like you have to, like, time your, time your jumps perfectly to get across the right. gap, and yeah. there's, like, some combat, too, that's weird, and, yeah. It wasn't a remake of that. <laughs> I mean, they delayed it. <laughs> they made they made their share of Prince Persia's. Yeah. Um. I I like I like Sands of Time. I think the Warrior yeah. Warrior Within. within. I have yeah. that. Yeah. I think that's probably the best one of those. It's really dark um, though. It is dark. I, I need like to upscale like, it. I like, like it. Pretty emo, I guess. But yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, it's totally that era. Like. Oh, totally. totally yeah. been, one like, thing that I remember about like having the first like Windows computers and everything was playing the Cabela's. Hunting games. Oh really? Oh, so, yeah. really? The shooters? So, uh, so yeah, there were shooters, but you would be simulating getting your like deer stand away for like the crappy animated deer to come by and shoot it and everything. <laughs> but in, in the manuals, they had a cheat code. So if you put, oh, yeah. put the cheat code, it would like uh, glue you to the model of the deer, and it would just run, and you'd actually just be like uh, stuck to it. So your model was actually like like stuck with it, just trailing it, and That's it was cool. just wow. an easy kill just to shoot it. Yeah. That's funny. That's when Cabell's actually put a lot of money actually into making those games. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah. Um, he did at the arcade. I think, I always think it's funny to simulate hunting because hunting is so fucking boring. Um, uh, it, it, it is, but at the same time, like, that's how I grew up. Like, everybody grew up skiing in Colorado. I picked up a gun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, Anything that gets you out of nature, right? <laughs> well, you know, like, it, it, it's a good buying experience. Like, yeah. Ah, blood. <laughs> I, I love I love shooting deer and everything, but I also love duck hunting because I'm with my golden retriever and like this is a special oh, time yeah. me buying with my dog and the bond. 
I remember sleeping in a blind one time, and then all, all these ducks came in, and like I shot him, and I was the only one on the blind while everyone was away. And I actually got a very rare uh, duck that doesn't like migrate to Oklahoma, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. So, like, uh, I'm in trouble for shooting it in Oklahoma? No, 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 because it was legal. Like, it yeah. was just not very, it was a, just not common. Just rare, not, not very common at all. Yeah. Huh. But, like, you know, it's a good buying experience with your dog. Like, yeah, and, I can see that. And my dog loves it so much. If you could shoot a shotgun in a blind, he's going to go after and find those invisible yeah. ducks. Yeah. Uh, my best friend's dog growing up, he. We would like throw firecrackers, and I couldn't do it around his house because he had a hunting dog, and mm-hmm. the dog would like, you know, snap into this mode where it was like looking for, looking for the kill or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and his dad would get super pissed if, if we ever did it around around the house. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just so that that's how they're trained. Like when they hear a loud bang, that's time for them to go. Yeah. Right. Yep. So Joey, you enjoyed uh, you enjoyed the Vader comic. Oh god, yeah. I feel like we could. I, I wish we could talk about it. Um, oh yeah, you haven't seen. You've read it. I've, so. I've I've seen some issues and all that. Like it's good. It, I'm glad they're doing these. Yeah. So yeah, volume one. Buzz gave me volume one of the like Darth Vader comic. I guess it's like well, there's a couple. There's like Disney Dark, Lucasfilm. That's that's Dark Heart of the Sith. Okay. I guess there's like Dark something else of the Sith. Uh, yeah. I mean, um, this one was just like a lot of like prequel integration yeah. like it like it happens like right after luke falls off like with his arm cut off yeah but like it has so like basically after that is a whole trial of like searching for like anakin slash padme's like last day yeah. like what happened like right after that like right, right after they like split up like what happened right there um apparently there's a lot <laughs> yeah. um but you know it's just, as i was telling buzz it's just that tension in the comic book that you think he's gonna like be anakin again or like mm-hmm. break out of it you still i mean you know the story yeah. but like you just think that he's gonna like play out of it yeah it was uh yeah. i liked i really liked that it took those some of those like really cringy moments from episode two like the really mm. really cringy ones yeah and it like put them in there and made it feel totally natural even one um, episode one they had some yeah, stuff there yeah. too yeah yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was a good way to like mm-hmm. just sort of retcon that sh- those shitty scenes like yeah because if you think about it in retrospect from vader like it's like those scenes are like super more meaningful but like, yeah, when you're absolutely. watching the prequels by themselves you don't think about vader at all well yeah you're just um, cringing because it's so like boring and like just yeah it's just a terrible love story yeah and, like, <laughs> um, you know i think it's like political, uh, too political too this reflection, I think, is very natural because, like, we're we're we believe and we know that like Darth Vader's in a lot of pain. Like, he's in constant pain. He's completely angry and everything. And there's yeah. this little bit of like mental break where it's like a defense mechanism to go back to the past to relieve some of that like uh, anger and pain. Yeah, yeah. especially with his, uh, you know, the woman who brought him all that relief. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, and I, I joked to Buzz. I was like, oh, does like. Uh, does Vader like go like back to fucking Emperor and be like, and the Emperor's like, oh, like how was your vacation? Like, like this is like Vader's day, <laughs> Vader's day off, yeah. you know, from freaking the Emperor like sucking the Emperor's dick. Like yeah. that's basically like where he's at. And like it's just it's funny because it actually that actually happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly what it is, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was pretty uh, good. Um, yeah, I've been reading a lot of the. I like I really like the Silver Surfer, and uh, mm-hmm. there's this one like series where he's with this girl don greenwood uh he like saves her from this random uh like alien abduction these like aliens have like a menagerie basically of all these different creatures and she's one of them and he saves her 
and so she goes on it with all these all these adventures and kind of just like a fun uh, you know bouncing her sort of small earth ideas like from a small town mm-hmm. off of his like galactic yeah. sort of like uh, mm-hmm. yeah sensibilities mm-hmm. um, yeah yeah he's all over the place and so is Herbert yeah I really, planets and stuff I really enjoyed it I don't have the first issue I give you like, I have two through five so I can give you those but oh you don't, don't have to give me all your comics I <laughs> well I, I don't know yeah I like going to the store good. so um, I'm, I've been reading Umbrella. Academy. Oh yeah, oh, my yeah. girlfriend got through that. That's pretty well. solid. I, I've been watching the Netflix series. I, I like it. Both good. Yeah. Yeah. The comic has its own like take on the like characters. I think. Like I feel com- a little bit different when I like watch the characters mm-hmm. on Netflix, and then I like it doesn't take away anything the Netflix adaptation. I don't think, but uh, it's just different. Like it just feels different. Um, how they interact with each other. It's it, and what I do love about the show and everything, and it's not just a just the show's great itself. The music, the soundtrack is. Totally, especially in the second season. Oh, yeah. The 60s stuff. Because, yeah, yeah, they they got a lot to work off of the 60s and all that. I love Klaus as being this cult leader. Oh, yeah. Sugar Daddy's way. Oh, my gosh. Like, Klaus is one of my favorites. Yeah, awesome storyline. Haven't watched it. My girlfriend loves it, but yeah. Yeah, I mean. Gerard Way, and My I Chemical mean, Romance. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's well, like... It's pretty good. I listened to my share of it back in the day. So. I mean, it's a good show for it being like a superhero show, but it's also subverting a bunch of the tropes and everything. It's like, no, there's some fucking assholes in there. Totally. Absolutely. <laughs> um, um, I'm trying to think what else I'm reading. My brother-in-law gave me V for Vendetta. I'm going to be reading that. Alan Moore! The yeah, the comic. I'm sure that's pretty awesome. Um... Yeah, Dune, Dune, the yeah, graphic, graphic novel. novel. Oh, okay. Which, yeah. um, again, who knows? But like the Final Fantasy VII re- remake, how many editions are there going to be? <laughs> well, we <laughs> just says Dune. But we're still like waiting one. for that movie to come out too. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, any word on that? Do we know? It's, it's supposed to be coming out sometime this year. That's why I know, and I, I have a friend yeah. that's a huge Dune fan. I feel like they could with COVID. I mean, he's in the middle of this movie <laughs> half the time. Well, right? they're, they're, <laughs> like, should yeah. be. I, I don't think the problem is. Filming, I think that they want want to release it in theaters, um, and that so, would be a huge comeback film. Uh, yeah, it would be. Yeah, because it, it's a triple A title, and like they probably want to have a good release on it too. Yeah, I mean, it's they they're gonna release it on HBO Max, so that's probably how we'll watch it. But mm-hmm. so I would watch that in theaters though. Yeah, it's gonna be one definitely one to see uh, on a big screen. Maybe that's what's gonna happen. It's like good enough. It's theaters, but yeah. it's not. Sorry. Yeah, straight to streaming. All, all the all the shitty like love love stories that you know rom coms. Yeah, it's straight to DVD release. Yeah, that's yeah. what it's gonna be now. Yeah, you know it's funny. Like uh, reading reading these great comic books, I'm actually going back to uh, novels right now, and one of them in right now is a little book called Monkey Wrench Gang by Edward Abbey. And uh, this guy, Ed Ravi, is this anarchist that lived in the Southwest and did a bunch of like stuff of like uh, destroying uh, like uh, building equipment and like uh, sh- going pushing dozers down like uh, Lake Powell into the Colorado River. <laughs> wow. And uh, it's a semi biographic uh, book about like some of the stuff he did with his friends and all that. Cool. And it's like a very funny book too. It's very funny. These people are hilarious. Mm-hmm. He got a misfits of like the Vietnam vet who knows how to use explosives, a Jack Mormon who is a raft guide, and he has like three different like uh, uh, wives all spread out through Utah. Oh my god! Uh, um, a, a widow doctor, 
and his uh, feminist uh, secretary. And all of them also going up against uh, some uh, crazy, like, uh, power-hungry Mormons, too. <laughs> Whoa. It's, but, like, a, it, it talks a lot about the Southwest and how it's a really beautiful place. I love the desert. It's a really great place. But, like, it did good time checking out. You're gonna, it's a really good book about, like, uh, just nature and also just friendships and how hilarious they can be in nice. the moment. Yeah, that sounds good. Monkey Wrench? Monkey Wrench Gang. Those, oh, yeah. okay. Those are really solid recommendations. Yeah, uh, I always like reading about um, any kind of any kind of Mormons and the shit they get into. Um, you would. There is yeah. a uh, there is actually a good podcast you can watch uh, called Mid Vision Podcast, and there's a section where they're going around Joseph Smith. Yeah. Motherfucker was a criminal. Uh, yeah. Organized criminal guy. You don't really hear about how he was taken to court. Uh, went oh, to yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> went to war against Missouri. Yep. Tried, it, tried to kill the governor. There. His his assassin almost did. Uh, Porter Rock Rock yeah. Rockwell. Yeah, you were telling me that. And um, not the painter. No. <laughs> but also, he set up brothels and like bars in uh, Nanu, Illinois, where like he was like really taken off the time and like uh, his I he his whole thing was based on debt. He didn't. He was not good with money. He's a bad businessman. Joseph Smith or Porter Rockwell. Joseph Smith. Porter Rockwell was part of the the Danites, which was. The hitman group for the Mormons. Oh yeah, and he was kind of the leader of it. And and, uh, group. Well, they they have like definitely a history of like um, targeted assassinations. And, um, How did we get to this discussion? Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mormons. Some of the, uh, yeah, please please book about Mormons. Uh, yeah. And I, I just watched uh, Murder Among the Mormons, as did a bunch of Netflix people. That was there. a very interesting, like, uh, story because, like, that guy was a hell of a forger to make all those forgeries. Yeah. He was really good at it. Yeah. And it's, he, it was, he was, like, pathological about it, too, clearly. Uh, yeah, Netflix is getting really turned on to true crime right now. Yeah, it, it like, really hit the spot for people, I think. Um, it's good. I, I like it, yeah. Gotta yeah. Say. I like all, all, I've been watch, trying to watch more documentaries lately. I watched the... The Woody Allen one about how he like sexually molested uh, a girl who he had raised basically. Um, Damn. Yeah, like a, she was like seven years old, and he had been doing it, I guess, for a while. Um, uh, I was watching a Mel Brooks, Brooks documentary, which was just there's funny. A, there's a Mel Brooks oh, documentary. Mel, Mel Brooks is uh, yeah. so good. He's just like nine. He's like what, eighty or ninety now. Like, yeah. I told you I wasn't going to do this interview 10 years ago. <laughs> 10 years ago. <laughs> well, I watched a very fascinating uh, docudrama called uh, Blaze, and it's about this unsung hero of like outlaw country called Blaze Foley. And uh, just like this guy that was in Austin, Texas, tried to get his music through, like got kicked out of every bar in Austin. And uh, his music is actually resurfacing now. We're actually finding the masters of his albums because like they all went missing from like uh, coincidental incidents and everything. And like, this guy was a very talented guy. Hmm. And uh, like, he uh, wrote some stuff that like, later on, like a bunch of other outlaw stars were gonna do like Waylon Jennings and uh, Willie Nelson. Hmm. So like, he was like, uh, it's a really good movie. Ethan Hawke wrote it and everything. And like, um, Hmm. uh, Chris Christopherson is actually in it, part of one of the high women. Oh really? Yeah, he is super old. He's getting super old, but he uh, made some great music as well. So that outlaw country stuff is like, a lot of people don't tell you, it's like a lot of drugs, a lot of misfits that didn't get into Nashville, 
and a lot of guns fired. <laughs> yeah, it's basically like what I imagine life as a trucker is now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, yep, so we've been working on our, uh, our videos, Joey. Are we... Uh, are we releasing that anytime soon? Do we have like a timeline? Yeah, I mean, definitely early spring. I mean, like next month for sure. Okay. Uh, I just want to finish the rest of them, but uh, yeah, we just got to get the end sequence down, which uh, do a couple more videos. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to be incorporating these the movie reviews at the same time. Yeah. So that's something Separate else that. I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really do enjoy talking about movies though. Yeah. And like doing those like little like intro videos where we just mess around and kinda like um like play out the movie ourselves. Yeah. Like, I think that's really fun to do. Um, my, my so goal, goal is to have like a whole longer, a whole website so we could have as much different sections as as we want. Yeah. Um Yeah, I mean absolutely. our goal is to put it on YouTube first and then if folks get the website going the simulation station podcast would be on there. Yeah. Christmas collective would be on there. Movie reviews, etc., etc. Right. And we've gone over a, a, a lot of themes thus far. Mm -hmm. We have plenty to talk about. So yeah, for sure. We can go in any way, um, yep. our direction. But most of it is pretty good discussion, no matter what. So I like the improvisation of what we're doing there. Yeah. Oh, the only other question I have is, uh, we we ever going back to Vegas? That's a good question. Um, I, I want to, not just with uh, the whole crew and everything, I want uh, Alex, my buddy Spicy. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you remember, we went to Ice Bell together. Yeah. yeah. You, always, uh, you always like ask me as if I was, I remember him. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love Alex. <laughs> he wasn't there. <laughs> he's, he's actually doing good. He's actually coming up here for school, so he'll be in the Bailey area near Castle Rock and mm -hmm. everything, but I can't wait because uh, I, I love him so much. Yeah, it'd be fun to jam with him again. Yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, we, we talked about doing some more uh, sound tribe. We talked also about going back to maybe to Oklahoma if they go to Candy Ballroom again. Like, yeah, that was that was like my favorite sound tribe show was Canes. Canes is a really good place. I was actually supposed to go there for Railroad Earth before COVID hit, and then like before they were gonna make that show, they call it quits because of COVID. I was like, yeah, damn it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, Vegas was so much fun. Yeah, uh, just wandering around and being being. Very very high. We uh, actually made some people's uh, weekend. I bet. <laughs> no, us like when we were hanging out at the fountain. Everyone like not everyone, but people always resist me when I try to get the group to go to the fountain. Uh, but then when we get there, it's like the chillest spot to go. Just, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So both years that we were there, Joey, um, there's like a fountain in the flamingo. Flamingo. There's like this whole sort of area where there's all this like okay. ducks and flamingos and all this shit. All right. And uh, and lots of fish. Um, and like in both years, I just like made sure that we kind of hung out there because it's too being in a in the hotel rooms is too cramped, and I don't oh, want totally you know right. I don't want us to be in the casinos either because then everyone's just gonna get lost and lose all their yeah, money. Right. You know? Yeah, uh, those were designed for you to get lost. Yeah, absolutely. And so like both years, we kind of just I I kind of pushed everyone to go hang out at the, the, the fountains, you know, and just like enjoy the running water and the fresh air yeah. and all that shit, you know. Um, oh, they're and, outside. That's yeah, the first year was a little bit harder to get everybody, but second year, like every, we everybody just came out there and we like we had like a, a banging party, like basically the, the whole until like <laughs> until the sun party? until the sun came up. We were really like, yeah, like, drinking yeah. and partying. Yeah. Um yeah, and 
Yeah, we, there's, I met like a bunch of people, people just randos would like kind of come up and hang out with us because they wanted to just be a part of our vibe. I found, I have yeah. those photos, yeah, man. So like, cool. uh, yeah, we, we, like they were, they were just a bunch of strangers that were just like, you know, gravitating towards us. Yeah, you're going to love this photo of me in the fountain. <laughs> oh, yep. Yeah, please. Yeah, that. In the fountain. That's the fountain. That's the one. And then this is our, oh, I see. Yeah. Our well, actually, friend, Zach. You see, you see that money I have in my hand? It's in my Show wallet. That. So oh, the, yeah. These are the. Uh... <laughs> that's that's our buddy at at the Vegas Flamingo Fountain. That's that's though, yeah. Yep. Oh man, but yeah. like no, this is the money that was like it's a little rough, but like what? someone made the fake it was, money. Uh, of Paulina, Hunter, uh, Hunter's wife. Guys? Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh uh, no, these are these are that's the soundtrack people. Oh, um, that's the band. The the former bass player is like the watermark. You see him on the, the very bottom of the right. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this right here, that's like their former bass player. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Pretty funny. He's like in the bottom corner. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad I kept these SPS around. Nine nine dollar bills. Yeah, these are cool. Yeah. All right. Well. Soundtrack. Yeah, I, I would I would totally go back to Vegas. I like. Uh, Pro tip: If you ever go to Vegas, just eat it eat it in and out every time. Uh, because like, if you are eating at restaurants, you're gonna be spending a lot, a lot of money, money, a lot of money. Back uptick. Yeah, yeah, and it's like finding even just finding other fast food is pretty pretty shitty, and it's like bad. You know, the In and Out is just the best spot to get the cheapest food, but that's like that is the sweet spot in Vegas. Yeah, the uh, um, for for you know a person who doesn't have thousands of dollars to. It, I think it's in away. between like the Southern Casino and then the Flamingo Promenade, basically. Is what yeah. it's called. Yeah, it's like a, this like mini strip, basically, uh, and that's where the Brooklyn Bowl is too. Yeah. So they actually have two different other locations. One's in London. One's in uh, New York, I think. Brooklyn Bowls. Yeah. So yeah. it's a, the, yeah. yeah. Huh. It's just kind of like their their Fillmore's as well. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. There's a lot of Fillmore's. There's a lot of Foxes. But uh, remember uh, Star Wars night when they like uh, play a bunch of songs and, and like take the first letter of each song yeah. and it says like the Force will be with you. It was it was May it was May Fourth. It was you know May the Fourth. Yeah, May the Fourth. I was the only one wearing a Star yeah, Wars shirt. Yeah. Really? And nobody gave me any props. Yeah, just look at the the letters of each. Show. So sad. <laughs> oh yeah. The Force. Yeah, they didn't get. They couldn't get that far. B W Y with with you. B will be. Will, will be with but, oh, you. they just took their like these were the songs they took for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. And they played also a bunch of like hooks that were from wow. Star Wars. Um, yeah, they yeah, uh, Luke, Luke's theme and the really? Imperial, Imperial March. Imperial March was pretty. That's good. really good then. Yeah, it was really. It was a fun. Uh, yeah, super, uh, at some point, I like looked up at the uh, guitarist, and he was like looking straight at me. And I was like, is this what I think I'm hearing? He's like, he's like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that moment in a concert or a festival where you're like, huh? And you're perk up, you're like, yeah, I know what that is. Yeah. Art, Art Brown tossed me one of his uh, picks at the last show he played before COVID hit. Aspen? Or what? Yeah, so he was like really feeling his throwing, took his cup through a bunch of them in the crowd, and he just looked at me, he's like, nice. He's like, yes. Oh, I have COVID on them. <laughs> just laced in it. <laughs> yeah. Kidding. But yeah, um, that that was a, that was a fun time. I just wonder when they're going to get back to Vegas because I think they skipped uh, 2019. I think they didn't do a 2019 run. No. Um, I think we're lined up for shows at the end of the year. 
Yeah. Or Colorado said if seventy uh, percent of the population gets vaccinated, then the rest will be able to go to shows in summer. That's what they said. Well, there's going to be those projections. Uh, some <laughs> shows are actually going to be coming up this fall. Um, I'm thinking about going to Green Sky because Railroad Earth's opening up for them, and uh, yeah, I gotta go. <laughs> I skipped I skipped Green Sky when I went to Gemma Jam because I was just fucking dead tired after two nights of sound tribe and lettuce. Yeah. Uh, so, mm-hmm. um, lettuce. Oh, I, I, I the jam. They I'd love that Gemma Jam. They came back to Gemma Jam Festival. I really want to go to that one. They are coming back with it. Uh, we'll see. I bet they will. It was a great, like Tucson was a great spot to have a festival. It was a little bit cold at night, but other than that, um, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely bring blankets, but like definitely bring my portable pizza oven. Yeah, and, oh, and that's the idea. Man, like I'll never go to another festival without like shower flip flops. Uh, oh, not like that. At least. Unless you're like outside. Yeah, because yeah. uh, that was it's just gross. It's so I nasty. Like that. Um, yeah, that, that's why Wavesville was so awesome. Yeah, like, Waves. You know, I think walk Wave, myself in the river. I think Wavesville was pro- one of the not the most perfect, but one of the best festivals I ever went to. It was my favorite, I think. I got I got to meet Jeffrey. I got to meet Jeffrey. It was so yeah. nice. <laughs> and then, like uh, at the very end, we, me and uh, Alex were about to get, go away. We went to where the cabin he stayed. He's like, "Goodbye, Jeffrey." He just peeks his head out the door. He's like, "Nice, <laughs> wow, that's great." Joey, we'll have to go to a festival sometime. We've never yeah. done that. I mean, Sonic Boom was the last one I went to, and that was also had a river and a nice, like, yeah. um, kind of gorge area where there's just, like, trees covering. Like, there was a stage inside, like, a whole, like, tree bushel, yeah. and it was just, like, really cool. Um, although, we got hailed on that for that. I heard day. that. Like, I heard about oh, that. Oh, dude. Oh, man. My whole, tent, my whole tent got destroyed. Really? Like, yeah. <laughs> after the first night, like, it was just done for. like, tipped over and just caved in. And, oh. um. Actually, they had this weird setup where there was like these like ancient like gongs. So there was like a tent with like gong here, gong here, gong here, and it was like a circle. And basically, people sit inside of it, and the guys on the outside go boom. Oh, you're, you're talking about the boom. You're talking about the portal. They came to this sh- uh, place called Backwoods, and they did the same thing. That was actually kind of fun, though. Yeah. So it was fun until the hailstorm hit, and then it was thundering. Oh, and yeah. so this was the only place with coverage in the like meadow <laughs> the meadow area and everybody went straight to it and the guy who was leading the gong thing was like you realize this is like an electric pole like magnetizer right like all this metal like sitting giant metal gongs here yeah. get the fuck out of here like everybody was just like trying to get covered and you, like, you gotta imagine how much the, that hail must have dented those gongs yeah, oh yeah i heard it, it was like dum, it sounded really cool actually <laughs> it was pretty sweet um but yeah nature's great <laughs> you get that experience like that nice. and then it cleared up like the next day because we're in colorado so we were fine you yep. know jamming in for the night yeah um, colorado festival's the ideal yeah i was gonna say the last show that i was gonna go to would was gonna be king gizzard and the lizard wizard at red rocks they were gonna do like a 12 album set like this band is nuts because they put out like literally like 15 albums within like five years or something mm-hmm. it's like crazy like the amount of music that they've produced um but they were gonna do almost all of them in back-to-back sets like last was it last fall uh last spring and it just got cut out because of covid and so they're doing it this fall and i was like i 
think that's when I want to jump back in. You know, like right where I left off. Like that's kind of like what I'm thinking. That, like, that'd be cool. That's a very impressive, like set, uh, like five years coming out with three albums each year. That's Basically, pretty yeah. pretty like productive. That's a yeah. very big productive Dude, like group. Ridiculous. And they have like ten, like ten members or something. Like, and each album has its own theme. Like sometimes they go like sixties, like psychedelic. Other times they go acoustic. They did a heavy metal album recently. Like. Dude, I like that. Freaking nuts. And yeah, there's something for everybody in there. And it's just like, inc- they just push themselves how, so hard. How, how many shows do they do uh, per year, you think? Oh, man, a lot. I mean, they definitely tour all over the place. Like, like, like they, they just live on the road, basically. Basically. The year that I saw them, I saw them at the Fox Theater in Boulder. So I know they do like an underground venue set, like tour, mm-hmm. where they go to the most ridiculous, like underground places and they hit those. And then they hit the big places like later in the year and i mean they always drop an album so and they just love jamming so it doesn't matter like they can pick anything from whatever you know album they want and just do that and i don't I, they have so much that i feel like they won't do like a anniversary like like most bands do like oh 10 year anniversary of this album oh, or yeah. whatever um and yeah, this, this band no point. Has You'd be so doing much an anniversary shit. album every, <laughs> yeah. every every month so exactly yeah so uh, I'm guessing this band is like one of those bands like they will be on the road and everything. They're doing their tour or whatever. Yeah. And they're just coming out with the new music while they're on the road. Definitely. That's got to be what they're doing. I mean, that's uh, that's what a lot of jam bands do. Uh, My Buddy's Railroad Earth. They do that all the time. You can get like right. a sick trailer that can like, you know, have good acoustics. And you can just yeah. make the music there. Right. Yeah. I think they don't have restrictions. It doesn't seem like it, um, which is not sure how respectable for how else would you do it if, if you're constantly on the road like um do you just like have if a, you got a like break a, in between you're going from a to b and everything maybe you could find some studio time somewhere that's what I was thinking maybe just find a studio and like have a lot of connections with different studios all over the country i don't know yeah seems like or just like completely just decompress after a tour and just like go so, like complete solitude <laughs> for a while because like some bands do do that yeah i actually worked at a place that the string cheese instrument recorded mm-hmm. and it was a, a lodge mount like in the mountains it was just like a like a, a, a log cabin <laughs> but they were like recorded in it and it was just like that would be great like just quiet and like like the queen movie where they just go to that farm i was actually huge didn't watch it I was actually a huge cheesehead before, like I got into all these other bands, and like uh, I remember. Did yeah. you see them on the hill? That outdoor show. Um, are you talking about Dylan, the amphitheater? In no, Dylan? in Boulder. In Boulder, they had a like a just a, sh- a show. Oh, on you're the talking street. about the pla- you're talking about the place where they did all those free shows, basically, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I, I like. Uh, I, I was out there at that time, and it's like they do some free shows here and there, but like so far, like they haven't been doing a lot of touring. They still play, but they don't do that much touring like they used to. Right. That's so cool, though. Oh, yeah. I, I love that song, Texas. <laughs> no, they would not want to live in Texas. Well, thank you for watching the Simulation Station podcast and maybe listening to it, uh, possibly. Um, I'm Buzz. This is Crispy. Fleet. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye.